Morning, everyone. I'm Jess, and I'm going to be reading God's Word for us. We're reading John chapter 8. Um, that's on page 868 of your Bibles. Um, I'm just going to pray for us before we start. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please help us to hear it and not harden our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sin. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own, 
but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Jonathan, one of the ministers here at church. One night, as I was walking back home, that was back home in France, in the Lyon area, for those uh, who've been there before, I got lost on a small, windy road, which was poorly lit, a bit like the one you, you can see right now on the screen. We had recently moved house with a family. I didn't know the area really well. That was in the outskirts of Lyon. Uh, there was no one around because it was pretty late at night. It was almost pitch dark. And I got really scared. Like, really scared. So I started to run. Even if I couldn't see much of what was going on. If even if my visibility was quite reduced. And when I eventually see, saw some lights, some lights in the distance, you can imagine how relieved I was. I knew. I knew that I was going the right way. I recognized the area a little bit now, and I knew. I knew that I was going Back home. That was the way home. We live in a world where light is basically uh, taken for granted. We live in a world where light is so readily, easily available um, almost everywhere and at all times. Then we, but we sometimes, sometimes forget how dark uh, nature can be. And how darkness can actually be absolutely terrifying. Have you ever been in the dark before? But the twisted logic, the twisted logic of human nature is that some people, and that may be you this morning, love darkness instead of light. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 19. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Is that you this morning? When you're in the dark, the light can be quite reassuring, comforting. Don't you think? When you are in the dark, when you are in the dark, the light can actually be annoying, disturbing. Try to uh, lift up a rock in the bush or in your garden, and you, if you've got a garden, what will you find under the rock? Sometimes, 
Well, you might find some little creatures. You might find some beetles. You can find some cockroaches. You can find some uh, ants running away in all directions. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they run away from the light? Well, because they're scared. Because they don't want to be exposed to the light. Because they don't like the light. Do you see what I mean? What is true of, of physical light can be true of spiritual light. So what would the light reveal in your heart this morning, in your mind, in your life? What would the light reveal if you were fully exposed to it, like fully, there's nowhere to hide? If you live in the dark, and if you want to live in the light, we've got good news. I've got good news for you this morning. The good news, the reassuring news, the comforting news is that Jesus is the light of the world. And that whoever follows him, believes in him, will never walk in darkness. Never. But will have the light of life. Can you see why that's a, a wonderful news which can be used today? If you follow Jesus, if you believe in him, if you put your trust in him, he promises that he will lead you home. That he will lead you to life. That he will forgive your evil deeds to give you eternal life. An eternal relationship with God. Because he's the light of the world. Because he's the light that leads to life. And that's my main point this morning. Jesus is the light that leads to life. But first of all, just two things about this amazing statement by, by Christ. I am the light of the world. First of all, it's the second great I am of John Gospel. Do you remember what the first one is? John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Yeah. Second thing, I think this uh, statement, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, is actually a summary statement upon which depends not only our passage this morning, chapter 8, but also chapter 9, because in John chapter 9, verse 5, what is Jesus going to say just before uh, healing a blind man? I am the light of the world. For this guy... Jesus will be a great news. He will be the light of the world. He will see again because Christ will give him sight. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, one of the biggest claims in history, he says this in the specific context. Did you notice? The context of the Jewish festival of the tabernacles. That's so interesting. Remember, this great feast was a great reminder of a great God of Israel. This great feast was a great reminder of a great God of Israel, a God who provided for his people when they lived in the desert, in tents or temporary shelters. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, that's what we can read, that God guided his people by giving them a pillar of clouds and a pillar of of light, so they could travel by day and night. And now, now, 
back in uh, first century Jerusalem, as the Feast of Tabernacles is coming to an end, as the lights are dying, what is Jesus saying? I am the light of the world. That's astonishing. I am the light of the world. Not just a light, but the light. Not just the light of the Jews, but the light of, of the world. Your light. If you recognize him this morning. Do you understand what Jesus is doing here? In the context of the Jewish festival of uh, the tabernacles, he's fulfilling this festival. He's the light that leads to life. The light his people need to live in the desert. The light you need in your life. Today, this week, and for the rest of your life. To survive as a Christian in a hostile world which didn't like Christ when he came in which doesn't like Christ either today, not always anyway. A world which rejected Christ, which didn't recognize him. You need Christ as your light to survive. So no wonder, no wonder, look at verse 13. No wonder that the Pharisees, the religious um, leaders of the time, some of them at least, don't believe in Jesus and even challenge his authority. As soon as Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what do they say? Look at verse 13. The Pharisees challenge Jesus. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. In other words, what you're saying is not valid. But as we are going to see, the testimony of Jesus is valid. We can trust what he says. We can trust that he's the light of the world, the light that leads to life because of two things. First of all, Jesus' testimony is divine, verse 13 to 20. And secondly, Jesus' identity is divine, verse 21 to 30. Are you ready to rumble? Ready to go? First point, Jesus' testimony is divine. In fact, Jesus is not alone in his uh, witness. His testimony is based on two witnesses. Did, did you see that in the text? The Father and himself. Look at verse 16 with me. My decisions, says Jesus, are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Look at verse 18. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Do you see that Jesus' testimony is valid? Because it's, it's divine. The problem is that the Pharisees are spiritually blind. They can't see, they don't see where Jesus comes from and where he's going to. Look at verse 14. They judge by human standards. Literally, the text says, they judge according to the flesh. Maybe as opposed to, to the spirits. As we say today in English, they judge a book by its cover. I love that saying. They judge a book by its, by its cover. Which make their judgment ultimately superficial and, and wrong. But Jesus doesn't 
church in the same way. And I think that's what he means in uh, verse uh, 50. New church by human standards are past judgments on the one. We know that Jesus will be the judge, don't we? From the rest of scripture, we know that he was appointed to be the judge when he returns. He will be the judge of all of us. The Bible even talks about the uh, the, the tribunal of, of Christ. So what is Jesus saying in that verse? I think what he's saying is that he doesn't judge in the same way as the Pharisees. I think there's a contrast. He judges according to God's standards. And that might remind you of another verse in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. Do you know that verse? The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Does that ring a bell? I think in substance, that's what Jesus might be saying. He's not judging according to human standards, according to mere appearances. He judges according to the heart. He he knows your heart. He can read us like an, an open book. So Jesus' testimony is valid because his judgment is not isolated. He stands with the Father, which makes his testimony reliable and true. He is the light of the world. He is the light that leads to life. We can trust him. You can trust him. But again, look at verse 19. The Pharisees are so spiritually blind that they can't see the light. They just can't. Look at verse 19. They ask, where is your Father? When Jesus is talking about his supernatural divine father, and not about Joseph, his natural father. You see, they can't see that the father and the son are one. That the father is in the son, and that the son is in the father. They can't see that the relationship between the son and the father is so close, so intimate, that you can't separate them. You can't separate them just as you cannot separate the sun from its rays. And you see, so to speak, that's the illustration I sometimes use when I try to explain uh, um, to um, Jehovah's Witnesses or some of my Muslim friends the nature of a relationship between the father and the son. I usually ask them to draw the sun on a piece of paper to show them that they cannot separate the sun from its rays. If you ask you to draw the sun on a piece of paper, would your drawing look like this one on, on the screen? Except for the smiley face, I guess. But you would draw an, an orb, a circle, wouldn't you? And some rays, wouldn't you? Can you separate the the orb from the rays? Not really. That wouldn't be the sun otherwise, would it? So next time some Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door, or if you have a conversation with a Muslim friend about uh, the divinity of Christ, have a piece of paper and a pen ready to use in your bag or at home. So they can see the light. So they can understand the relationship between the Father and the Son. You cannot separate them. 
so they can see the light of the divine sun, the light of Christ, who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Can you see how Jesus' testimony is divine? He comes from the Father, and he goes back to the Father. Him and the Father are one. You cannot separate them. You can trust what he says when he says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light that leads to life, because his testimony is divine. That's the first point. My second and my last point is that Jesus' identity is divine. You can trust what he says. He's the light of the world, the light that leads to life, because his identity is divine. That's the second part of the chapter, of the passage, verse 21 to 30. Look at verse 23. Jesus is from, Jesus is not from below, but from above. Correct. The Pharisees are of this world, but Jesus is not of this world. In fact, in fact, verse 24, Jesus even goes so far as saying that he is, I am he. Look at verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Look at verse 28. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he. I am he. Does that ring a bell? Hmm. I think the background of his expression is not so much in Exodus 3.14 when God reveals himself to Moses and said, I am. It refers, I think, uh, indirectly at least, but I think the background of his expression can be found in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 41, verse 4. This is what the Lord says. I, the Lord, I am he. That's amazing. Do you understand what Jesus is doing here? When he says, I am he? I mean, in a Jewish context, how on earth could Jesus reveal more clearly his divine identity? I don't get it. How on earth could Jesus reveal more clearly his divine identity? And that's what I usually say when people object that Jesus never said that he was God. Have you heard that objection before? But Jesus never says that he is God, so to speak, in the New Testament. How would you respond to that? In a book called uh, How Jesus Became God by Frédéric Lenoir, uh, Frédéric Lenoir is a French writer, and he wrote this book, Comment Jésus est devenu Dieu. Uh, that's what's your French lesson for, for the day. He argues that the Christians who lived in the first centuries progressively attested the divinity of Christ. When, I quote, Christ never identified with God himself. Now, I don't know what to say, except that maybe we don't have the same Gospels. <laughs> but how? How could Jesus reveal more clearly his divine identity in a Jewish context? Don't forget that we are in, in a Jewish context by saying, I am God or I am he. What, what do you think? 
you see, Jesus speaks God's language. Jesus speaks God's language. When he says, I am he, he claims to be the pre-existing, eternal, and divine son who was sent by the Father to be the light of the world. But again and again, verse 27, the Pharisees are so blind. They, they, they just don't see who Jesus is. They don't understand what he's telling them about his father. But one day, verse 28, one day they will. Listen to this. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, Jesus says. The Son of Man is a messianic expression referring to Christ himself as he will be crucified and uh, glorified. Then you will know, you will know, but I am he again. In fact, I do nothing on my own, but speaks just what the Father has taught me. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Pharisees will become Christians when Jesus dies on the cross, although, although one of them might have become Christian. Do you know who that is? I think that's Nicodemus. But I think that doesn't mean that all Pharisees and everyone will become Christian as Jesus is put up on the cross, rises again from the dead. I think that Jesus' exaltation in his death and resurrection is the way he will reveal himself fully to the world. Only when Jesus dies and rises again can we fully, fully understand who he really is, the divine son, who was sent indeed by the Father, and whose mission was approved by him. Jesus is the light of the world, the light that leads to life, the light that can lead you to life today, this morning. Do you believe in him? Not just as a good guy, not just as a prophet, but as, as the divine son, as I am he? You see, if you, if, if you refuse to believe in Jesus, uh, I mean uh, knowingly, not because you don't understand who he is, but because you don't want to believe, can I encourage you to take Jesus' warning very seriously? Look at verse 24 again. If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You see, in this dark world, we are all spiritually blind. That's what the Bible tells us. And our eyes need to be opened. One of my favorite theologians, as you may know, is John Calvin. This is what he wrote, and I love his quote. You know that I love quotes. Listen to this. None, no one will ever present themselves to Christ to be enlightened, save those who have known both that this world is in darkness, always darkness, and that they themselves are altogether blind. You recognize your own spiritual blindness? as I need to. 
Imagine you're the passenger of a car driving on the Monash freeway or the Eastern freeway, it's up to you. This car is driving at 100 kilometer an hour on a rainy, windy, and foggy day. And the rain and the fog have reduced visibility to less than 50 meters. You're the passenger. And at some point, you ask the driver, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, do you know what you're doing? And the driver tells you, look, I've got no idea where I'm going, but please don't worry. Everything will be okay in the end. How would you feel? Safe? Scared? Terrified? Do you understand what I'm saying? We live in, the wor in a world where people live in the fast lane. And that might be you this morning. We live in a world, especially in Melbourne, life is cra crazy busy. I mean, from the morning, at least for me, <laughs> to the evening, life is crazy busy. We live in a world where we sometimes live life in, in, in the fast lane. At 100 k per hour on a windy, rainy, and foggy day. And that may be you this morning. Maybe you're a busy student. And I understand that. I've been a busy student in my life. Maybe you're a busy mom or a busy dad at home with one, two, three, or four kids. Or more, actually. Maybe you're a busy man or a busy woman at work in the city with a busy job. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just the reality of modern life in Melbourne. Or maybe you're a busy retiree. Oh, I wish I was as well. But maybe you, you're so busy that you don't even have time to, to read the Bible. Or to pray, or to come to church on Sunday, or to come to our Bible study, which we call the discipleship teams. Maybe you just don't have time for church, for God, for Christ. Because you're too busy. You live life in the fast lane. Maybe you live life in the fast lane and you've got no idea where you're going, actually. And you think everything will be okay in the end. Of course. And when you die. But how do you know that? How? What makes you say that? What if everything was not okay at the end? What if Jesus was right? What if, indeed, we needed to follow him, to believe in him? Not to walk in darkness, but to have a light of life. To enlighten our life, to show us the way that leads to eternal life. Can you see that Jesus is the light of the world, the light that leads to life? Do you only want to see? One of my favorite authors, who was also a theologian, is in his own way, is Blaise Pascal. Listen to what he says. That's so true, I think. I quote In faith, there is enough light for those who only desire to see and enough obscurity for those who have a contrary disposition. And I wonder, what is your disposition? To finish, I'd like to tell you a, a, a great story. Let me tell you the story of this young man from a, 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 village, a village north of Sri Lanka uh, who decides to leave his country to live a better life in Europe. 
And one day, this, this guy became a Christian. And he decides to go back home just to spend some time with his family and friends. And then when he arrives in his village north of Sri Lanka, this guy had changed so much that the people who knew him, his friends and his family, couldn't recognize him. And they asked, what is the secret of you being so different? And I guess you know the, what he's going to say, but I love the way he puts it. The man replies, hmm, you imagine what will happen to you if you swallow the, the sun? Well, somebody brighter than the sun is inside me. And that's the difference in my life. Somebody brighter than the sun is inside me. And that's the difference in my life. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of Christ is in you. And you have swallowed something or someone which is way bigger than the sun. Are you, are you aware of this? My question for you this morning and for me. Does this light, does the light of Christ in your life make the same difference in the way you speak, in the words you use to speak with, you, with your parents, with your kids, with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, in the way you behave, in the way you live at home, behind closed doors, at work, behind your desk or your computer screen, or at church. Does the light of Christ make the same difference as it did in this guy's life? If you are a true disciple of Christ, if you really follow him, whether you want it or not, you are the light of the world. And you know what? The world is looking at you. People are looking at you. Your friends, if they know you're a Christian, they are looking at you. Your family, if they know you're a Christian, they are looking at you. Your husband, if he's not a Christian, he's looking at you. Your wife, if she's not a Christian, he's looking at you. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. What a privilege. But at the same time, I mean, what an amazing responsibility. Me, the light of the world. <laughs> yes, you are. Whether you want it or not, Christ made you the light of the world. The question is, what, what do you do with that light? Jesus instructed you with his mission. Not to save the world, of course. Salvation belongs to the, to the Lord. But to enlighten the world. To make a difference. By shining the light of Christ in the spiritual and moral darkness of our times. Let us pray. We can spend a few seconds in the secret of our heart to let the, the spirit of Christ be at work in us. 
through his word. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we praise you so much for your Son, the Lord Jesus, who is indeed the light of the world, the light that leads to life, the light who shines in the darkness right now as we speak. Would you please shine your light into our hearts so we can believe in him and follow him. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you shine the light of Christ through us so that many people would come to believe in him glorify you and have the light of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.